Well, as you're turning in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, we want to be mindful to keep Brother Roscoe Shelton in our prayers this week on Thursday here at Strong Tower at 11 o'clock. Um, we will have the celebration of his mother's life and legacy, Lola Edward Shelton. So as you pray for him, um, please do that. But also for those of you who can come, who can take off from work and be with us as we worship God and remember this great woman, um, we'd love to have you here on Thursday at 11. But not only that, our dear elder, Dr. Joe Ozine, his mother went to be home with Jesus last week, and she is going to be remembered this Thursday as well in Houston. So we want to remember him and Tammy as they and the children travel to Houston to be with family as they lay to rest Melba Ozine, who was 93 years old. Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray together, church. Lord, I thank you that we get to be a part of your family. Thank you for adopting us. Thank you for grafting us in. Thank you for making room for us. Thank you for being intentional to come see about us. You didn't just say that you loved us. You demonstrated your love in that while we were still in our junk, while we were still lost in our sin, Jesus died for us. And we thank you that not only did he die, but he was raised to life for our justification. We thank you that the devil, along with death, is defeated. We thank you for who Jesus is and what he accomplished for us. We thank you that even now, positionally, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. But God, as Ben Shirt reminded us, you left us here to recruit for heaven. You left us here to represent the interests of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank you that you gave us help to do that through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help us to learn a little bit more about you today and what you offer to each and every believer. We thank you for the word of God that will not return void. Lord, open up not only our ears, but above all, our hearts to receive what you have for us today. Might it be a life-changing word? Might it be a chain-breaking word? For we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake alone. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. A few weeks ago, my wife and I sat down to watch some television. We don't always have time to do that because we're both so busy. And sometimes we don't always agree on what needs to be watched. She's coming talking about Hallmark stuff. And, but I take one for the team from time to time. And, and we'll sit there and we'll watch something together. But on this particular day, we were watching television the remote control did not work. I'm like, what's going on here? The remote control is not working. I would press buttons and I would see the light come on in the remote, but it wasn't doing anything to the television. 
And so I said, okay, my, my remote is either broken or it needs some fresh batteries. So I went to Kroger, where some of y'all come from, y'all put an S on it and call it Kroger's country. I went to Kroger. And I got some batteries. And I came home excited because I was going to get my remote back. It was going to start working again. So I put the batteries into the remote. And I was like, yeah, it's going to work. And lo and behold, it did not work. And I'm like, what is going on here? So I'm thinking about, we got to call Infinity for them to send us another remote in the mail. Because this one obviously doesn't work. And so my wife, she happens to be the brains of the outfit. And she said, um, here, give that to me. And she began to reprogram the remote, the parts that could work, with the television. And before we knew it, she had reprogrammed it in such a way that the remote worked. And so as I'm sitting there, a sermon illustration comes to me to give to y'all this morning. You see, there was absolutely nothing wrong with the original batteries. The remote had power, but the remote was not programmed properly to the television. And so I believe that there are a lot of believers who've been given power from God. But we live our lives in such a way that it appears that we are powerless. I'm here to let you know you don't need more power or new power. We just need to have our minds transformed and our thinking reprogrammed to understand the power that we already have at our disposal. Amen. That was a good illustration. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so today, guess what? We're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. And depending upon where we come from, our church traditions we grew up, a lot of times power is associated with volume. That if you say power real loud, that means you've got power from the Holy Ghost because you're loud. Uh, maybe, yeah, 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 there's a time to shout unto the Lord, but not all the time. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. So there's power in stillness and not just in loudness. But if we come from a church tradition that just says, if you're loud, that's Holy Ghost power. And then sometimes you don't even say the full word, you just say, <laughs> we are given this power so that we can walk right and talk right and shout right when you got Holy Ghost power and speak in tongues right. But I just stopped by this morning to remind all of us that there's so much more to the power of the Holy Spirit than those things. Uh, amen. There's so much more. So if you'll let me, I'd like to teach a few things this morning. And I hope that we'll be all encouraged to know that we all, if you know Jesus Christ, you have power from God. So now here's the deal. The power is resident. But for many of us, the power is dormant. But by the end of this sermon today, I hope that we can go from the power being resident and maybe even dormant to the power of the Holy Spirit. Watch the rhyme now being president in our lives from resident to president.
the power is within us. So the power of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. I gave you time to find it on your phones. I gave you time to find it in your Bibles. And I'll start reading at verse 4. And the Bible says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. They wanted to talk chronology and God's schedule of events. Jesus said, no, no, there's a time for that. That's the father's business. But, but, but there's some business you must tend to. I'm going to give you power. The Holy Spirit is going to give you power. And this power is going to allow you to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. You shall receive power. Because what he's saying in this moment is we can deduct that they didn't have power at the time he said to them, you're going to receive the power. They didn't have any power. They would get the power on the day of Pentecost, sometime, some about 10 days after this, when Jesus ascends. And on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after the Passover, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, giving them power. So he says, you shall receive it because right now you don't have it. And the thing about God's power, God's power works best when we don't have any. Okay, God's power works best when we don't have any. And even when we do have God's power, God's power works best when we can admit we don't have any. I can do all things through Jesus who gives me strength, not through myself. Jesus taught those same disciples in John 15. He says, for without me, you can do nothing. But so often I try to do things without God, and I wonder why nothing happens. But God has given us power, power in the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. The Greek word power here is the word dunamis, dunamis. And it's a word that means simply ability, raw ability. It is the word that is transliterated into the English for dynamite, dunamis dynamite. Dynamite is a stick that has power inherent within it that explodes and shakes stuff up, even destroys things around it because there's power in the dynamite. So dunamis, God has put power, ability in his children when we profess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You see, we don't have the ability in and of ourselves to live for God. We don't have the power to do that in and of ourselves. It's contrary to who we are. And even with the Holy Spirit, our humanity fights the spirit because the natural man doesn't want the things of the spirit. And so, so, so there's this power that is inherent within us. 
Dunamis power flows in a disciple and through a disciple to do things that they would not do and things they could not do in their own strength. You see, the title of the book of Acts, we we open up our Bible, I say turn to Acts. But the full title is the Acts of the Apostles or the Actions of the Apostles. Uh, mainly focusing on Peter for the first half of Acts and Paul for the second half of the book of Acts. And so people call it uh, the Acts of the Apostles. But truthfully, if we were to dig a little bit deeper, there wouldn't be any Acts of the Apostles had it not been help from the Holy Spirit. And so the book could be entitled The Acts of the Holy Spirit Through the Apostles. The Acts of the Holy Spirit through the, Holy, through the apostles, or the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles and the believers who constitute the church. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit, not just the acts of the apostles, because they would have no power without the Holy Spirit. Uh, the church would have no power without the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit gave the apostles and the church power to do things they could never do in their own strength. So when we read the book of Acts, the book of action, the book of the movement of the Holy Spirit, there are so many things that the Holy Spirit does through broken people. Here's just an abbreviated list of God's power operating in the book of Acts through his people. An abbreviated list. This power came and yes, they spoke in other tongues, mainly other languages that they did not know prior But those around them who were bilingual knew those languages. That was a miracle that God used to bring the crowd together along with the sound that came from heaven. But they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now today there's a lot of speaking in tongues, not as the Spirit gives utterance, but as the flesh gives utterance. Uh Are y'all with me today? Football season next week. Hang with a brother today now. Go with me. The Holy Spirit allowed them, gave them power to be witnesses. Jesus said, you'll be witnesses for me, to me. The word witness in the Greek is a word where we get the word martyr from. So so a martyr is someone who dies for the faith. So Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is going to give you power to testify, to witness for me as people who just might be killed because of me. So this was no small thing when they got the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus even said to them in the upper room, when people kill y'all, they're going to think they're doing God a service. So y'all are going to die in this thing. But they did not shrink back from that, especially when they got the Holy Spirit. They pressed on to be witnesses. And we know that in this culture, if someone testifies that that's in some cases, their lives can be in jeopardy because they're telling on the wrong person, if you will. And so there are people, hit men, who will come after folks who testify, who take the stand. And that may be why a lot of Christians don't testify because the enemy has threatened us so. There's such a spirit of fear upon us that we don't want to testify because it just might cost us in certain circles if we lift up the name of Jesus. Lifting him up in here is one thing, but lifting him up out there where everybody don't love him is something else. That's why you need power to be a witness and to do witnessing. Power, power, power. 
They had power to preach, and boy, did they preach boldly. They had power to evangelize, to see thousands come to Jesus. They had power to fish for men like Jesus said when he first called them. They had power to do miracles, to heal the sick, to cleanse lepers, to raise the dead. They had power to resist evil and to confront evil. They had power to speak the name of Jesus in hostile environments where people dared them to speak his name. They had power to worship Jesus in the midst of hostile environments where it wasn't popular to be a Christian at that time. They had power to worship. They had power to endure unjust suffering. They had power, like James, to die courageously. They had power as a church to grieve with hope. You wonder how they didn't lose their mind? The Holy Ghost helped them from losing their mind. You realize that they didn't quit because the Holy Spirit did not allow them to quit. They had power to give them tremendous peace. When Peter gets arrested after James gets beheaded, he's in prison sleeping the night before his execution. This is the same guy we're going to see in a minute who ran from persecution. But now he's sleeping the night before he's to be beheaded. Only the Holy Spirit can give you that kind of peace. You can't fake peace. The Holy Spirit broke down racial and economic and social barriers in the body of Jesus Christ. Bringing different kinds of people together. Where they could say in Acts chapter 2 verse 44, all of the believers came together and had everything in common. The Holy Spirit gave them power to plant and develop churches, to make disciples. The Holy Spirit gave them power to travel to share the gospel. Paul would get on ships that would go through shipwreck, and it was the power of the Spirit who kept him on task. The power of the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to prophesy to tell the future, to say things that no one had ever known or heard. The Holy Spirit, listen to this, gave the church the power to give of their resources so that other folks who didn't have could have uh, power to do that. And some of us still need that power from the Holy Spirit because we hold tightly to the things we have as opposed to redistributing what we have to help meet the needs of others. That's when you know the Holy Spirit is working in your life when you're more of a giver than a taker or a receiver or a hoarder or a holder. So I'm talking about Holy Ghost power right now. That's more than how high you can jump or how straight you walk when you come down. It's a holistic kind of a movement in your life. Okay, you don't believe me? Go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. My worship leader brought this passage up this morning. When Peter and John are going into the temple uh, to worship, and they see a man who's crippled from birth. The man is there begging for money, for alms. Peter and John look at the man and say to him, look at, look at us, look at us. Silver and gold we don't have. But what we do have in the name of Jesus Brother, get up and walk. He not only got up, he started leaping and praising God. In other words, he was causing a commotion because of the power of the Spirit of God that healed him of his sickness. Now we go to verse 11 because uh, such a commotion happened that uh, the haters came. Let me see. Let me start at verse 11 and, and 12. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, 
all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, uh, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power, dunamis, or godliness, we had made this man walk? So he said, we didn't have the power to do this. But as you continue to read, he's going to make it clear that it was Jesus who gave them the power because they called on that great name that Jesus showed up through the Holy Spirit and did a miracle to heal this lame man. Then we go to chapter 4. Peter and John got arrested simply for healing a man. They got arrested. Now look at chapter 4, verse 5. I'm talking about power right now. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them, Peter and John, in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Look this way. They are trying to intimidate these guys. Okay. Um, these are the men who oversaw the arrest, the affliction, and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. These are the same people, Annas, Caiaphas. They are religious killers, and people know it. Peter, James, and John, all the apostles, they know it, that these men are killers. And so, just by their very presence, they're communicating a message to Peter and John saying, we killed your master. We will have no hesitation taking you out as well. So do you have a power that can come against that spirit of intimidation? We'll see. Look at verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. There it is right there. Filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Not only that, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So they tried to threaten and intimidate James and John. But instead, because James and John had power from God to stand up and do what they could not do in their own strength they spoke against these men and not only spoke they said y'all were the ones who killed Jesus now I can't chase this rabbit right now in terms of who killed Jesus it was the Jewish people then it was the Roman people but it was all of our sins that put Jesus on the cross because I don't want to get political here. I don't want to lose people maybe watching online. But Peter didn't have a problem saying it was y'all who did it. And even today, if you speak this boldly about the crucifixion of Jesus, there will be people who will try to come against you to silence you as they did Jamie Foxx a few weeks ago. 
as he testified about Jesus. And he said, they killed Jesus. And people want to know, well, who's the they you're talking about? And he had to come back and kind of correct his statement. No, but when you've got Holy Ghost power and boldness, you're going to speak the truth. And Peter and John said, you crucified him. And not only that, you can't find salvation in anyone but him. Verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. In other words, the Holy Spirit was making them sound smarter than what they actually were. I'm telling you, if you hang out with the Holy Spirit, he'll make you, again, people will think you're that bright. Oh, that's the Holy Spirit. Give me ideas, thoughts, visions, dreams. Yeah, it's, it's from him. These cats didn't go to school where we went to school. And then the Bible says, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. There was something about them that reminded them of Jesus. There was something about James, or rather John and Peter, that reminded them of Jesus. Because Jesus did not cower in their presence. He told Pilate, the most powerful man in the area at that time, the Roman governor, he said to him, you would have no power if it were not given to you from above. This is all playing out because the one who has all power is saying so. So I'm not giving you any power. God has all the power. And these men have been with Jesus and it rubbed off on them. You ever hug somebody whose cologne or perfume don't smell that good? You hug them to be nice, you know. You can smell it before you even see them and, and they're coming over for a hug, right? Nobody in here, nobody in here. But other people, you hug them and you walk away and their perfume or cologne is all up on you. <sighs> when you hug the Lord, the aroma of Christ will just get all up on you. And, and people will say, oh, the same power that was on Jesus, the anointed one. Oh, something is on you as well that reminds us of him. Oh, boy. The greatest thing the Spirit's power did for the disciples was to break the yoke of fear that was on them. I'm probably going to stop right here. In a I won't be able to get through all this. I'll come back in a, in, in, in next week after the anniversary and hit the rest of this because it's that important. Let me say this again. The greatest thing the Spirit's power did for the disciples was to break the yoke of fear that was on them. Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, here it is. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. Pastor, what you talking about? Remember this Peter who basically pointing his finger in the face of these murderers, saying, Y'all did it. And when you read other sermons he preaches in the book of Acts, he has no problem calling people out. This is not the same Peter we see in the Gospels. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's not the same guy. Why? Because in the Gospels, Peter ran from these kind of people. In the Gospels, the Bible says all of the disciples fled. When Jesus was arrested. Now Peter was carrying a knife. Uh, and he cut Malchus's ear off. Same P Peter who not only was afraid. But resorted to violence and bloodshed. Out of fear. Mm -hmm. Ran. And in the courtyard of let's see here. Uh, the high priests. 
Caiaphas. In the courtyard, a woman comes up to this man. and says, uh, you're one of them because I recognize your accent. And he says, no, no, I'm not one of them. No, no. Somebody else comes up and says, yeah, yeah, you're one of them. I recognize your accent. And what does he do? He starts cussing. He says, I don't know the man. I told you I don't blankety blank, blank, blank know the man. That was fear. Fear. He was under fear. And so the Bible says here, when Jesus had resurrected, he saw them in the morning. Then he came back to see them in the evening. How many of y'all grew up with an evening service? He came back on Sunday evening. And when he walked in their midst, they were still in there hiding after just seeing the resurrected Christ. They're hiding still. They don't have power yet. They don't have power yet. Matter of fact, he's got to give them a small dose of the Holy Ghost. He breathes on them, gives them a little bit just to kind of get them through till they can get the full contact from the Holy Spirit. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. So, so they're afraid. But somehow he, he changes in a matter less than two months to be up in here bold with it. I'm here to say the Holy Spirit's power broke the yoke of fear that was on the disciples. Let me go a little bit further. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. The Bible says, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken from your shoulder. The burden speaking of the enemy's burden. And the enemy's yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. This is some pr prophetic writing here in the Old Testament for the children of Israel who were afraid of their enemies all around them. They forgot who they were and whose they were. They forgot that God was their God. And God was saying to them, there's a day coming where the enemy's yoke, whatever nation that was coming against Israel, that burden would be broken. And it wouldn't be because of chariots and horsemen. It wouldn't be because military ingenuity. No, no. That yoke would break because of the oil, the anointing oil. Well, who is symbolic of the oil? The Holy Spirit. When people were anointed in the Old Testament, your prophets, your priests, and your kings, and your judges, there would be ceremonies in front of the people where oil would be poured upon them in the presence of the people to signify that the hand of God was with them, that the Spirit of God was upon them. So the oil was a physical representation of the spiritual reality of the oil. So when we think of Samson, who was anointed by God to be a deliverer, a judge for Israel, it wasn't that he had big muscles. It was that he had big power from God upon him. David, and we can go on and on and on. A child slaying a giant, he was anointed in the presence of his brothers with the oil that was symbolic of God's presence upon his people. And Jesus, when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on, upon him and the spirit of dove, the peace, comes upon him, symbolizing that Christ, which means anointed one, that he was covered with the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus did miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was anointed. He was dripping with the Holy Spirit. And so when he went and said, I'm going to send the church power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the church receives that kind of anointing upon us. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that the same spirit anointing that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in the church. So God didn't give the church spirit small s. 
No, he gave us spirit, capital S, the same spirit that was on Jesus, which is why these guys said they've been with Jesus because they recognized the anointing. So if you've got this kind of drip on you, oh, drip, I like that. You know how we say, oh, man, that, that outfit got some drip on it. How about in the spirit realm, we say, oh, you got some drip on you, brother, because you're doing some stuff I've never seen you do. You're saying some stuff I've never seen you say. You're going places I've never seen you go. It's that drip that's on you. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you got that drip? Do you got that drip? The Holy Spirit was on them. And I'm afraid that there's so much fear amongst the people of God. If we're afraid in here amongst brothers and sisters, I know we're afraid out there. Because I think I was the only person at the altar today. And I know I'm not the only person that got to come to the altar. But some of us scared. I ain't going up there. You know why you're not? Because you're scared. Because you're focusing on yourself. You're thinking everybody's here to look at you. You're not the center of worship. God is. And when you decrease in his presence, you can not only fall on your face where you are, you can do it in your seat. If the spirit of God moves you to lift your hands, you lift your hands. If he calls you to pray or praise him, open your mouth and give a testimony. You're not going to sit still when the Holy Spirit says get up and do but fear will keep you. And I'm afraid, man. We're, we're afraid in the house of God. But may the anointing break that yoke. I close with this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. Paul said to a timid preacher, a young preacher. He says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. Because why? That gift went dormant. Fear. Because the gift, the moving of the Holy Spirit to go dormant in Timothy's life. Paul says, I'm reminding you, man, stir up the gift that is in you through the laying on of my hands. God gave the power, but he sent it through me. I'm your spiritual father. I put my hands on you. I affirm what God was doing in your life. Why? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. There it is, dunamis, and of love, and of a sound mind. Again, I got to reprogram my mind and know what I got. What do I have? I've got power. I don't need to ask for more power. I got all the power that I'm going to get. The issue is not, Lord, Lord, can I have more of you? God is like, no, I'm asking you the question, can I have more of you? I don't need more Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost needs more of me. So when I yield, when I submit, when I say, God, I need you, because God can't fill me if I'm full of myself. I'm going to say that one more time for the people in the, not the back, because y'all with me in the back. Uh, if I'm full of me, God says, go ahead, do it in your own power. And then you're going to come back to me when that fails. So come on, empty yourself. John the Baptist said, uh, I've got to decrease. Because folk running around here talking about, you the Christ, you the Christ. Man, you bad. Don't nobody baptize like you. You got to follow and look. He said, wait a minute now, hold on, hold on. It ain't about me. Matter of fact, I got to decrease so that he can increase. No wonder Jesus gave us a cross so that we could die daily on it. So that we could live again through his resurrection power. Versus me getting up every day operating in my power. No, God, I need your power today. I can't even tie my shoes without your power. 
You know how I know that's true? Because there's people right now in the hospital who wish they could tie their shoes and they're asking God to give them power to tie their shoes again. I can't do anything without him. The simplest tasks, whatever it may be. But Lord, would you allow us to know what we have? You haven't given us that, so stop being afraid. Matter of fact, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of dying? There are Christians afraid of dying. But see, when the Holy Spirit is on you, there are Christians who are ready to die. I'm ready to go see the Lord. Y'all better stop holding on to me. I'm ready to go because God's spirit is working in them and they're ready. But some of us are afraid to die and we claim to know the resurrection and the life. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of public speaking? I'm just not going to be a public speaker. Well, maybe you are misinterpreting let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It doesn't say let the redeemed who are comfortable with public speaking say so. The Bible doesn't say make a joyful noise unto the Lord if you're comfortable making a public noise unto the Lord. No, man, you got a mouth, use it. Testify. Because I bet if your favorite football team wins, we're going to hear you testifying. We're going to hear you speaking loudly. But then some of y'all say, Pastor, I'm afraid of failing, man. I, 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 don't, I don't even want to try because I'm afraid of failing. That's a stronghold. I'm afraid of what people say. Let me help you out. They talked about Jesus and he did everything perfectly. They ain't going to talk about you and me and we're imperfect as can be. So just get it in your mind. Everybody not going to like you, love you, or talk well about you. But that thin skin, we got to get over that mess. Uh, uh, Pastor, I'm afraid of going broke. That's why I don't like to give because really I'm holding on to my money. It ain't your money. And the proof that it ain't your money is that when you die, your hand going to be empty and no hearse or, 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 or you haul going to be following the hearse. Matter of fact, around some of your family, if they put any jewelry on you, they're going to strip that jewelry off your body before they close that lid and put you in the ground. So let's stop being afraid and say, God, you haven't given me a spirit of fear. I'm not afraid of being alone. Oh, I feel lonely sometimes, but I'm not going to be afraid. It's a yoke that's on the church. I'm afraid of getting a shot. I'm afraid of my kids suffering in this world. I'm afraid of socializing. We're afraid. We're, but there's power he's given us. We got to reprogram the mind. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, which is one of the greatest evidences of this power, that you love people. And then of a sound mind, because when you're afraid, your mind is all over the place. But in the book of Acts, Peter's mind was right where it needed to be. The Holy Spirit made the difference. The anointing made the difference. And the anointing makes the difference in our lives. But reprogram. You don't need any more batteries. <laughs> you don't need another boost from the Holy Ghost. You need to know who you are in Christ you need to recognize that God has given us power. Power to do things we could not do on our own, would not do on our own. So when we get to doing them, who gets the glory? Now, now here's the thing. Being filled with the Spirit, yeah, it, it can bring some emotion. But above all, it brings action. The book of Acts, action. Now, Peter here is to be commended because he's not the same guy in the Gospels. Oh, he's different in Acts. But Peter didn't stay filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. So let me help somebody here. 
You're not going to always be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes, as Reverend Bell likes to say, you can be filled one day and spring a leak the next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can be, man, just spiritual. Go, oh, Lord. And then the next day, you can be acting like Peter. I don't know Jesus. And you're afraid to say prayer over your lunch at work. You're afraid to wear your Christian T-shirt. You're afraid to let it be known you go to church and you got a black pastor at a multiracial church. You're afraid to talk about this. But we spring leaks. Peter did. Galatians chapter 2. The man who was used to see all these thousands of people come to Jesus finds himself sitting at a lunch table separating from Gentiles because they were eating uh, pig ears, pig knuckles, uh, uh, pig feet, uh, 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 fat back, strickaline lard. They were eating all that stuff. They were eating all that stuff, hammer hocks. All, they were eating all that. And Peter was enjoying it for a minute. Like, I got this freedom in Jesus. I got this freedom. We sang about freedom today. Oh, I'm free to eat this stuff. But when his boys showed up from Jerusalem, when the Jews came from, from Jerusalem, the boys in the hood, when, when they showed up, Peter saw, and the spirit of fear came back on him, and he withdrew from the Gentiles so that the Jews wouldn't think that he was enjoying his freedom a little bit too much. He was more concerned about what people thought than about what God said. He was more concerned about the opinions of men than what the Holy Spirit was doing in his life. So he shrank back. So it happens to the best of us, which is why we have to have grace. But thank God for a Paul. Because if you read Galatians chapter 2, Paul saw what happened. Paul is sitting at his own lunch table, and he's enjoying his freedom in Christ, and he sees Peter shrink back when the boys in the hood show up, and he's like, oh, oh no, oh, no, no. We, we got to call him out on this here because what he's doing is he's really uh, uh, preaching the gospel with his lifestyle in a way that doesn't make the gospel the gospel. Because the gospel frees us up to experience all that God has for us. But now he's resorted back to legalism and man please. Oh, no. So the Bible says that Paul called Peter out in front of all of them because his sin was in front of everybody. And he called him a hypocrite right there. That's why we need community. When somebody said, my wife is like, um, your words a little short today, aren't they? Your temper a little short today. Anybody? You all right? And that means you and Jesus need to have a little talk. You tripping right now. Lord, I need to be filled because I don't want to be living beneath who I am and who you say I am. You gave me help. Let me use it. And it begins with reprogramming my mind. Let's stand for prayer. Next week, next week, church anniversary. We got a guest speaker coming in. Brother Micah Edmondson is going to bring the word. Afterwards, we're going to eat, play games. And for my older folks, I'm 55 now. For the 55 and older, we got a game for you too. Because you may not play spades and dominoes or cornholes, but we also have bingo next week, all right? Bingo, bingo, bingo. <laughs> oh, now, I've really got to pray that there's some Holy Ghost control over y'all. I don't want no table turning over there now. I don't want no fights breaking off in the fellowship hall. But we're going to have a good time celebrating God. You know, it was today, September 3rd. 28 years ago that we had our very first church service. We celebrate on the second Sunday because a lot of people travel on the first Sunday. But today, 28 years ago, September 3rd, we had, we had our first service at the YMCA. Can you guys put the picture up, that final picture? That's the first service 
And that's my mom and dad. <laughs> they were here at the first service. Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for our brothers and sisters who've come from Mississippi um, to come and be with us as we all worship you. Thank you that they could stand and testify and that we can bear witness with the spirit that is in them and on them and vice versa. Thank you, Lord, for the church universal and not just the church local. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for how you've baptized folks into the body of Jesus Christ. And not only that, you've given us power, ability to be witnesses, ones who testify even to the death for Jesus. Lord, remind us who we are so that a spirit of fear does not take control. And so we end this service by asking again, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think like getting a house that is better than what you expected for less money lord you're able to do that kind of stuff you're, you're, you're a miracle working god you're the same yesterday today and forever oh god your methods may change but you don't change so bless your people as they leave the house. Bless them in the city. Bless them in the fields. Bless them on the job. Bless them in their going out, their coming in. Bless them to be a blessing. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. You got to hug three people before you leave. Can't leave till you hug three people. Have a good one, y'all.